you can start to understand what are those emotions self-reported actually linked to the behaviors we care about. And that's what it's all about, is that it's it's not replacing that promoter score or customer satisfaction or anything else. It's an additive to understand what emotions the customer is feeling and how do we act against that. Jim Tincher, it is always great to see you. Thank you for joining me for the podcast today. You bet, Mike. Looking forward to it. So there's a lot going on in your world. There always is, I think. But uh, specifically, you've got a conference coming up we would like to talk about. Uh, And then I'm really looking forward to discussing the book, which uh, you can't see because it's a podcast, but it's sitting right behind Jim on his desk and right in front of me because I've now read it. Uh, All right. Called the Do B2B Better, which happens to be the name of the upcoming conference. So First, let's talk about that conference. What is it? What's involved? And why should a CX fanatic, practitioner, newbie, somebody who just wants to know about CX, why would they attend? Sure. And there are not a lot of conferences out there specific to B2B. Uh, I think we've all been to many conferences where Amazon or uh, Target, Best Buy will be up there. And those lessons are pretty hard to replicate if you're in a manufacturing company. If you work for a software organization, very different types of experience. And so what I've done is I've taken those who inspire me and put them on stage. So I'll be there, of course, on stage. But we brought people like Roxy Strominger. She is the um, treasurer of the CXBA. She leads customer experience at UKG and was one of the um, common case studies in my book and very inspirational. Last year, she was probably the most popular speaker at the conference. So I brought her back. She's talking about a topic you don't read much, which is how to design for and measure emotions in the B2B customer experience. Tabitha Dunn, uh, she leads customer experience for the 22nd largest organization in the world, Hitachi. And she'll be talking about resilience as a CX leader. I saw her speak at the CXBA Leaders Advance, and I said, I want you to come to my conference. It was fabulous. Or she talked about her journey as a CX leader and how she ensures she creates impact and makes sure she has the right resources while also taking care of herself. And I love that. Uh, Something we've heard frequently people asking is, how do I hire a CX leader or a CX member, a member of the CX team? And so I brought together three folks to talk about that. Lori Laughlin from Compeer, uh, Elda Machias from Securian, as well as Brandon from American Modern Insurance to Brandon Kegnan to share their, what they do to make sure that they're hiring the right people. That'll be backed by some research we've recently done. A journey orchestration is something I'm excited about. Um, it's not done so much in B2B, but it is at Schneider Electric. So I have Christine Davis coming, talking about her work there. So really bringing in people who I have found are outliers in a good way for the work they're doing and bring them there to share with you what they do. We also are actually doing something different this year, which is we are assigning those who want to be as part of a cohort. So you'll meet with about 11 other folks ahead of time, get a chance to talk with them, meet them. You'll sit with them at the conference and have a follow-up meeting afterwards as you talk about your plans. Love that. Love that. Well, for anybody listening here, uh, I'm going to try and make it there. My schedule that time of year is just a little bit in flux, but um, 
we've got banner ads on the site and we've got a promotional code. So see that, see the link. Um, if you have any interest in attending, you have more questions, please hit me up directly. I'll be happy to answer those for you the best I can. Um, interesting thing on some of the topics that you just brought up, because one of the things that I wanted to address from your book is this idea of measuring emotions and how important they are as it relates to CX overall. And we had a mini discussion about this, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, mm -hmm. but um, I wasn't aware that Roxy is kind of the person behind that whole movement, or at least part of it. Yeah, she's one of them. She, uh, I took a lot of my ideas from her, but uh, you know, Nancy Flowers at Haggerty informed that, uh, the folks at Dow, Dan Futter uh, as well. And so there are a number of, there are pockets of B2B organizations doing this well, but only pockets. So let, let's talk about it a little bit, because the way you frame this up in your book is, I think, really interesting because I'm, uh, well, let me just back up a, a hair, because this interests me because I come at the same point from a different, a different angle. Okay. Um, I've been working with a customer loyalty analytics group for the past several years, and we've developed first of all, a perspective, but then a set of measurements to get at brand loyalty on an emotional basis, which which is a, a tremendous overlap uh, yeah. with the work you're doing. So I read the book, went back over that section several times just to make sure I understood what I thought I understood. And I'm dying to unpack that with you. All right. Um, and I think it's just fascinating stuff, but it's also super critical to anybody in CX, anybody who's who's actively trying to build customer engagement, whatever the discipline is, you just you just can't ignore it. And yet, emotions are very difficult to measure. Um, they're, they're even more difficult, in my opinion, to turn into something that would look like a KPI and build against um, if your quarterly bonus depends on that kind of a thing. Um, so, so let's just talk. Let's just talk about it, the importance of it. Let's start there. Well, let me start with why I call this out versus, say, a net promoter score or customer satisfaction. Both of those are outcomes of your experience. You are hoping those outcomes are correlated with what we really care about in CX, which is, are customers going to stay with us? Are they going to buy more? Do they interact in ways less expensive to serve? Often those are correlated, but they're correlated as an outcome. They don't get to the causal area. And we all make emotional decisions first. Those who are listening to this today decided right away they had an emotional decision to stay listening and to pay attention or to tune out and think about their coffee on their as they're driving. That's an emotional decision. And we can measure those emotions and we can design for those emotions, but we rarely do. You will never shock a CX person by saying emotions matter. We all know that. I'll have that conversation quite often. I'll say, okay, so which of these emotions are you measuring? What do you mean? Well, if emotions are that important to the customer experience, you're certainly, you know, you must be measuring them, right? Well, no. Well, why not? And it actually isn't all that hard to measure. Now, understand this is an external rationalization, uh, stealing those words from Roxy, of your emotions. But over a solid sample size, you can start to understand what are those emotions self-reported actually linked to the behaviors we care about. And that's what it's all about, is that it's it's not replacing that promoter score or customer satisfaction or anything else. 
It's an additive to understand what emotions the customer is feeling and how do we act against that. Now, my, I first came across this on a B2B2C study, which is on purchasing life insurance. And we did a digital ethnography as part of our journey mapping. So not familiar with digital ethnography, it is a platform where you follow people over time. And we asked people purchasing life insurance, how, did you, how do you feel about this process? And most were either positive or negative. There were a few neutral. The negative were typically anxious. They don't like talking about mortality. They don't like healthcare things. They're doing this because they felt like they had to, but not loving it. Whereas others were just, I'm adulting. I'm an adult now. I need life insurance. I'll get it. No big deal. Well, those emotions persisted throughout the journey. Those who were positive at the beginning, everybody in our sample was positive at the end. Those were negative at the beginning. Most stayed negative at the end. But we found was there were a handful of advisors. That's the second B in the B to B to C. The advisors were intervening, noticing their anxiety, and were helping them to overcome that. So they ended up positive. And it got me really interested. So, well, wait a minute. Why couldn't we measure these emotions outside of a digital ethnography? And that's why I started looking more into emotions and measuring them. Now, completely separate, Dow, um, uh, Ricardo Porto is the current leader. Uh, Dan Futter was the, um, he's now the chief commercial officer. They were measuring enjoyability. Separate from them, Roxy was measuring confidence and seven other emotions. Separate from that, Nancy was measuring um, happiness. The VA was measuring trust. All of these organizations on their own started measuring emotions that I found in my research. Uh, Fidelity does as well. And it is possible to measure emotions. Now, you have to be deliberate choosing the right ones and looking at how you measure it. But all those organizations have found that the emotions are the best predictor of the behaviors we care about. I want to take a quick break from the conversation to tell you about one of our sponsors. What could you achieve if you knew what your customers expected ahead of time? What if you could know what customers expect by category and by brand 12 to 18 months ahead of traditional brand tracking methods? And what if you could know exactly where to adjust and where to spend in order to derive the most benefit every time? A customer expectation audit allows you to identify areas that require strategic reinforcement as well as pinpoint which values will contribute most to an emotional bond with your brand and optimize accordingly. Customerland has partnered with BrandKeys, the world's oldest loyalty-focused consumer research firm, to bring real-world customer expectation audits to brands, brand managers, and to CX practitioners everywhere. Want to know where your brand stands and exactly what to do about it? Go to expectationaudit.com that's expectationaudit.com and download a sample audit today. A couple of things come to mind as you say that. One is that, uh, yeah, I mean, I've seen in, in my world that you can absolutely measure emotions, but it's, uh, you can't do it directly. I mean, it's, it's difficult enough to survey people on, uh, on yes, no answers. And, you know, you have a, a, a margin of error and stuff like that. But with emotions, 
just like conversational uh, conversations about emotions, it's a lot. To, a lot of times, it's more difficult to get to the truth than you think. You can't just ask directly and expect a a straightforward answer. Although there are I'll a lot of ways to that. triangulate. Let me put you on that. We do that. We okay. build survey questions. When you talk about our client, what emotions do you feel? And we find that's very predictive. So, right, it's not. I I also like to use, you know, text analytics to get to the emotions, voice analytics. Yeah, those are important as well. Uh, but it is possible in a survey to actually ask what emotions are you feeling. Now, you can't just choose emotions, put them on the survey, and measure. You have to go through the process of using a similar survey to get to which what what customers are going through the behaviors you want and don't want, and what emotions they feel. But yes, you can do it right within a survey and offer that up. I I believe that, so I stand corrected. I think, but I do think that uh, you can't just kind of show up and start blasting away like, "How do you feel oh, no. about X, Y, and Z?" No, no. Uh, we do is we first score customers. We're the ones that are having a good experience versus those having a negative experience, and then we ask survey. We put out a survey. We'll ask about a whole range of emotions to them, which we get through qualitative research. And then we say, okay, let's look at correlating. So these emotions are correlated with good experiences. These are ones bad. We'll start measuring that. And then we'll look over time, which ones are actually predicted. Right, right. The other thing that came to mind as you were telling me this is that uh, in the research that I've been privy to, uh, depending on which category of, I'm just going to call it a customer relationship. If it's a, a if it's a a B to C conversation, let's just use the word conversation, uh, where the consumer is talking about buying shoes, there is a set of expectations there. Yeah, this is what I'm thinking of when and feeling when I'm when I'm going to consider a shoe purchase, and depending on the category, depending on the nature of that relationship, sometimes the uh, in our measurements. Uh, the, the feeling part of that, the emotion part of that is up to 80, sometimes even 90% of the consideration. Oh, yeah. It, it's massive. And yet there are other, other decisions that are that are way more rational than that. So, uh, again, it's a function of you really have to understand your channel. You really have to understand the nature of the customer relationship, uh, the category and all that. But it is possible. But it's just wild to me that uh, so many of the people that I interact with, both in the CX world, loyalty space, everywhere else, um, are talking about emotions and emotional loyalty and, um, and emotional experiences, but really still only measuring on rational basis. Oh, yeah. Yeah. When I'm, and the important thing in B2B, and so let's go back to your example. You buy the wrong shoes. Well, you're going to be annoyed. And you know, you'll, you'll be frustrated with the company. But if you choose the wrong software company, you might be fired. Yeah, you can end your career. Yeah, the more the importance of emotions are even greater in B2B. And that's why I love going deep into that. So Lori Laughlin's a friend of mine. She'll be at the conference. And I posted on um on uh, um, LinkedIn that emotions even matter in B2B. And she says, What do you mean even matter? They matter more in B2B because that's your livelihood. Because the stakes are so much higher. Gardner came out with research showing that one of the best predictors of a high quality B2B deal is confidence in the information you're provided and trust in the salesperson providing it to you. And so even in the sales process, or maybe especially in the sales process, trust matters. Um, 
Emotions are a critical part of the experience, which is why we need to start measuring them. Um, that's another like 15 questions that I could add <laughs> into this conversation. I know we're limited on time. However, but I do want to talk about another another section of the book where you talk about something related, but I think it's really worth unpacking here. And that is um, because I talk to so many providers that uh, specialize in removing friction and making processes, complaint processes, service processes more efficient. Um, but that's not the same as creating a wow experience, creating no. uh, you know an emotional bond. And you you did a really neat job of it in the book, I'll say. But uh, there's a there's an example you gave with Compassion International on some of the measuring they did and what they found out. I was wondering if you could just tell that story a little bit. Sure. So they looked at what is predictive of loyalty for them. And if you're not familiar with Compassion International, Compassion is one of the largest global um, nonprofits, and they help sponsor kids from other programs. Their mission is to release children from poverty in Jesus's name. And what they found was that emotions were the best predictor. They created a matrix of, or a combination metric of four different items, likelihood to recommend, but they also found that uh, being delighted and joy, I believe, it's I, I don't have it top of my mind, but they found that two emotions were very critical in predicting whether a sponsor would continue sponsoring children, especially if there's a transition in child, such as, for example, the child ages out, those emotions strongly predict whether that sponsor will stay in and do another child. And it's been another area that was early on uh, in my learning and found Compassion doing a great job of incorporating emotions into their approach. Now, since I wrote that in the book, they're now coming out with a worldwide measurement. And so they're evaluating and they're evolving a little bit more, but still emotions are central to the work. Really interesting. Um, sort of related to that. I think it follows on the next chapter, if I'm not mistaken. There's a, a whole section in there, and we can refer to the book and look at our notes if we want to. Um, there's a whole section there that talks about the difference between uh, solving for efficiency versus solving for emotional, wow, emotional bonding. Yeah. Those kinds of things. And they're, they're two very, very different processes. Well, so the part of the brain that, that we're... Active, it activates frustration is a different part of the brain that activates joy. And you don't build positive relationships by removing the negative. It just doesn't work that way. That's a different part of the brain. <clears throat> we just finished work with a life insurance organization. And my hypothesis was the drivers of churn were different than the drivers of doing more business with that company. There's a B2B2C organization. And that was that was validated. The drivers of churn were more broken processes. The drivers of doing more business were more supporting me. Different types of experiences. Yes, you need to remove friction. Absolutely important. Many of your listeners may be familiar with the effortless experience that talks about the most important outcome to create loyalty is not to create a wow, but to make it easy. And that's bunk. And in fact, the reason, if you go back and look at their research, the research is completely isolated to callers to the contact center. Right, where there's a problem. 
Exactly. Yes, if there's a problem, don't ask me about my grandkids. Don't build a relationship. Solve my problem. Right. And I agree with that. The authors overreached on the implications. It does not apply outside of service recovery. Outside of service recovery, whether you like Exum Institute, whether you like um, Forrester, or whether you want to look at the internal data of Dow, UKG, and others, they all say the same thing, that emotions are a better predictor of loyalty as a behavior, buying more, staying longer, operating in ways less expensive to serve, than is an effective or easy experience. So I'm just going to reiterate that all this and more happens at gyms, at the conference you're hosting, the yeah. Do B2B Better conference with some amazing speakers. Uh, I'll reiterate that there are banner ads all over our site, and we have discount codes that Jim and his team have given us. So if you're interested in attending, please reach out. In the meantime, Jim, it is always a pleasure talking to you. Thanks for this. Well, thanks, Mike. I always enjoy it. Uh, clearly, I'm passionate on the topic, but I love talking with you, talking more, and be happy to do it anytime. Well, let's keep doing it.